हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज नितिन श्रीधर हियर फॉर दोज हु डोंट नो मी आई एम बेसिकली अ सिविल इंजीनियर बाय ट्रेनिंग बट नाउ आई एम ए जर्नलिस्ट एंड ऑथर एंड प्रेजेंटली आई एम एडिटर ऑफ इंडिया फैक्ट्स द पॉपुलर इंडोलॉजी प्लेटफॉर्म वेर वी डील वी पब्लिश आर्टिकल्स ऑन इंडियन हिस्ट्री इंडियन कल्चर ट्रेडिशन एक्सेट्रा Uh, I would like to first thank uh, Indic Book Club in Swarajya for giving me platform to speak about my book. And uh, so today's session uh, will be uh, the basically I'll be speaking about my latest book, Musings on Hinduism. Uh, the the book was published uh, two months back in March by Rare Publications, Chennai, and uh, it 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 gives an overview and introduction to, towards uh, Hindu religion, philosophy, uh, etc. but before that uh, i would like to speak a little about uh, uh, my life journey as i said i, I am uh, by academic training i am civil engineer i finished my civil engineering in 2010 and i was in construction field for 5 years uh, uh, till 2015 uh, when i changed from civil engineering into journal journalism so uh, many people have asked me why um, basically why did i make this jump Uh, because engineering writing or journalism they are not at all connected uh, so the basically the the uh, real reason was that i have always loved writing i mean since my high school days i used to write then uh, various essays uh, stories limericks etc uh, but as i evolved in my writing i realized that uh, i am more into writing objective essays i mean analyzing things and uh, research essays uh, such kind of stuff I remember I opened my first blog and um, when I was in engineering or something Yahoo 360 I don't know how many of you even know about it um so uh, even while I was studying uh, civil engineering I used to write for uh, pioneer newspaper and uh, vijayvani.com and few other uh, portals uh in fact uh, I was encouraged by many people when I was in Orkut those Orkut old days when I was very new to this writing especially professional writing um, i was encouraged by surjit das gupta uh, who is today editor of uh, sirf news and because of lot of this encouragement i continued writing and uh, but uh, after 2010 when i um, finished my engineering and i started my job uh, that was the time when uh, i completely my writing came to a stand still i can say uh what was previously one or two articles a month uh, reduced to you know just uh, i i could write only one or two article between 2010 and 2013 or something so uh, there was a dissatisfaction within me i i felt uh, uh that i did not belong to the civil engineering and this civil engineering is was not suitable for me because uh, I, i there was i did not feel a fulfilling Uh, so in 2015 when i got a uh, chance to jump and uh, there was a job opening for staff writer in newsgram i took it and uh, i came to journalism so this was the you know career wise uh, my journey and that is why today i am writing and uh, but i must uh, share one thing that when i say writing 
I do not mean any kind of writings. For example, I don't write usually on travel or uh, uh, cuisine or any such stuff. For me, uh, writing, when I speak about writing as my inner calling or uh, as something that is very close to my heart, I specifically, you know, refer to the, uh, the kind of topics I deal with. For example, I write on uh, social issues, on um, religion, theology, especially Hinduism. To be more specific, my writings are usually around Vedanta uh, or the concepts of Dharma. I try to analyze current social issues from um, dharmic perspective. So it is these kinds of writing where I feel uh, completely fulfilled. Uh, so, the, it was the, in response to my inner calling that I came to writing, I came to journalism, I became an author, I wrote this book. Um, so, uh, this is my book, um, Musings on Hinduism, I am sure many of you are already know. Uh, so, uh, this book is basically a collection of my writings, many of them essays, many of them uh, blog posts, some of them were, you know, compilations from my Twitter posts. Uh, most of them were written in a spontaneous manner and uh, these are my musings on um, various aspects of uh, Hinduism and Hindu philosophy. Uh, so, if, if you so look at uh, the very first page, I have this photo of uh, Jagat Guru Shankaracharya Sri Bharatitya Mahaswamiji of Sringeri and uh, he is, I consider him as my guru and uh, he has been the most um, inspiration and uh, guidance uh, uh, behind uh, all my writings, all my journey in fact. Uh, of course, I, I would like to you know clarify that I, he is not a Diksha Guru, I have not got any Diksha or something from him. Uh, just like a, a million others, I am one of his uh, Shishya, I consider my, uh, him my Guru. But uh, yes, I have felt his presence, I have felt his guidance in uh, every endeavor I take and uh, I, I owe everything uh, to him. And in the second page you will see uh, uh, a painting of Ganapati. And this is a very, you know, uh, special uh, form of Ganapati. It's, uh, it's called, um, it's a Tantrika Ganapati wherein Ganapati sits on a row of skulls and he holds a bowl of blood. Uh, you might ask why this specific form when there are hundreds of other forms. Uh, I think I was very attracted to this form from the very first time I saw it's based on a sculpture in fact found in Java somewhere. Um, and uh, my attraction is uh, more to do with how I am, uh, you know, uh, the, the two images in a sense also reflect the fact that I am very, I feel very home in both the path of Vedanta as well as the path of Tantra. I, 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 I feel very uh, uh, comfortable in both, uh, they, these have been my influences, the Advaita Vedanta especially as well as the Shakta Marga, they, they, they both have been very influence, uh, influence in, in my spiritual journey and I think if you read through this book you will see those influences clearly. And uh, regarding the content of the book, uh, uh, I think uh, the book is divided into different sections, thematic sections. Uh, the first section is on uh, Hindu religion and philosophy and uh, I would add that the um, at least four or five essays in this section, they are the direct result of uh, uh, my reflections after uh, the series of uh, lectures uh, delivered by my guru Bharati Deja Swami. 
uh, he he had uh, you know he had done a vijay yatra in 2012 and delivered a few lectures on vedanta uh, during chaturmasya and uh, after listening to them making notes and reflecting on them few essays like uh, two parts of life two ways of uh, performing action uh, two stages in devotion these are all uh, directly based on those reflections and in the first section you'll also find my uh, section uh, chapters on tantra on position of uh, sexuality in uh, hinduism and uh, such related stuff and uh, the second section is uh, fully dedicated to vedanta and uh, in this section uh, it is not a, you will not find a uh, in depth analysis of uh, advaita vedanta as such but uh the the purpose of this section is to clear some of the very basic doubts that a new student of advaita or uh, vedanta faces and uh, i have done it in a very uh, easier accessible manner using anecdotes examples and such things uh, for example there is a chapter here on uh, vedas valid means of knowledge that is one of the basic question why should we take veda as a pramana and there is a, a chapter on gyana bhakti karma i mean these three are the three pillars of uh, hindu dharma but often we perceive them as three separate independent paths and there is lot of debates and discussions out of it and i have tried to give an integral over uh, wholesome view wherein they are not three different things but they are connected and how they are connected etc and you will find many such uh, chapters in this vedanta section about what maya is what advaita means etc and there is a, after that there is a short section on hindu society uh, wherein i i analyze uh, some of the problems uh, troubling our society today and i try to give out my analysis of what is the root cause and how we could rectify it and uh, then for the serious readers uh, serious students of advaita vedanta uh, in the next section there is uh, my english commentary on nirvana shatkam and there are other sanskrit translations of few hymns like saraswati ashtotara which people may find interesting and finally in the last section there's a miscellaneous section it's miscellaneous collection of my writings it has some uh, um, uh, chapters like uh, importance of gayatri mantra why, what does the symbolism of Shiva, shivalinga puja etc so uh, so these are the many things uh, the, the the book speaks about uh, if you ask who this book is who is the intended audience i think uh, it is both uh, those who are new to hinduism it may be it may be hindus themselves in india or it may be foreigners who are discovering hinduism but who are new students and it is also for those in the intermediate levels of study of vedanta where they may have certain questions so it is a, even even for a serious uh, scholars serious uh, students of vedanta and hinduism certain chapters like uh, uh, the two stages of uh, creation the two aspects of creation the two stages of bhakti or my commentary on nirvana shatkam they may find this uh, interesting and useful uh, so this is the my short introduction to my book and uh, of course my life journey and uh, since this is a indic chat uh, so i'll be taking questions of course uh, so now you can write your questions as comments but before addressing those questions so please start writing the questions as comments i have already got few questions uh, beforehand from some of my readers some 6 to 7 questions are there so i will take those questions first 
and uh, after that i will uh, address if there are any more questions in the comments so the first question uh, that i uh, i got few days back in twitter was uh, please elaborate on karma does belief in karma make people insensitive to other suffering does it uh, create an attitude like you deserve it uh, and uh, is it bereft of uh, compassion i think this is a very wonderful question uh because there are lot of confusions regarding karma uh, people uh, have a lot of misconceptions about how to understand and how to practice this karma uh let me in the beginning itself let me state karma does not mean uh insensitivity karma does not mean defeatist attitude what karma means is it is not tell it of course it is saying that um there are people have this uh, often have this uh, character or this uh, tendency to blame everybody for their misery they blame god they blame government they blame everybody else of course they, uh, they, uh, they we should point out the mistakes wherever it is but we should also realize the fact that our suffering somewhere down the line is due to our own previous actions it is our choices that decide the outcome that we face so the yes the karma uh, says that what you so so you reap so whatever uh, situations you are facing in life today the sufferings it may be happiness it is all based on your previous actions but that doesn't mean that we are slaves of fate because we also have free will in fact fate and free will are not two contradictory things in fact they are the two aspects of the same coin called karma so the gist of the karmic uh, understanding world view is that we have a free will we have a choice to how we react to life situations that choice is with us in the present and by uh, by doing this choice by taking by doing the right choice we have a choice between what is right and what is easy this choice uh, how we apply this choice decides our out the outcome in our future what we face we face happiness sorrow it is all depends on how we act in the present so this is the correct way of understanding karma that we need to act we need to act in a righteous manner so as to uh, make our life meaningful and fulfilling so coming to this insensitivity part yes uh it is true that people are suffering because somewhere deep down the line it's due to their own previous actions but this does not mean we are to become insensitive instead whatever hindu shastras say dharma shastras say there is a concept called samanya dharma the common duties for all human beings irrespective of their nationality sex gender all those things race etc irrespective of that there is something called samanya dharma common duty and among the things that are uh, advised as common duty satya asteya etc there is something called daya as well daya is compassion so you are bound you are obligated to be compassionate towards others you are obligated to be compassionate especially towards those who are not as privileged as you so when we see others we it, what what do our shastra say instead far from being uh, asking us to become insensitive to others it is asking us to show compassion not pity there is a difference we just need to show compassion by recognizing the fact that see he is also suffering from he is suffering due to some his previous karma yes 
but we are also going through the same stages so there is a bonding so let us help them if any way we can if we cannot help them at least let us be compassionate let us not think bad about them let us not be insensitive towards them i think this is the right way of understanding karma and uh, uh, and this uh, the, the karmic uh, world view i will not say theory because it's a world view it's a, it's a reality we may accept it or not this karmic reality instead in fact makes us more sensitive to other suffering if when understand when understood in a correct manner and um, the next the second question is on varanashrama uh, another person asked me is it fixed or is it fluid what is the essence of varanashrama then i think i will this is a very huge topic i will not be going in depth into this because it's a huge mind and there are a lot of confusions lot of misunderstanding misconceptions are there regarding varana i will simply say that varanashrama is one of the most unique contribution of hindu dharma when correct correctly understood varana basically means to choose to choose our swadharma based on our swabhava swabhava is our temperament our inner calling swadharma is our duties our personal duties which are unique to us i already spoke about this samanya dharma which is common to all there is something called as vishesha dharma they are tailor made duties for each individual based on their inner calling based on their capacities competencies and temperaments a duty of a scientist may be different from a engineer duty of an engineer may be different from a soldier it may be different from a labor it is all different and this is not limited to being scientist or job job description it is also limited to the whole life to understand varnashrama properly we need to understand where is it coming from what is the basic uh, uh, thing where uh, what is the source concept on which it is based it is based on the universal vision of sanatan dharma which which is in fact encoded in the word dharma itself dharma means to uphold what does it uphold it upholds the entire universe how is it uphold, uh, how does uh, the entire universe is upheld by uh making sure we it envisions a grand universe wherein each individual is able to pursue their path of inner calling pursue their self actualization uh, leading ultimately to moksha we have this framework of purusharthas dharma artha kama moksha most of you are aware of these terms so i will not explain them dharma is righteous duties and artha or kama are material pleasures wealth prosperity and moksha is ultimate liberation while moksha is the ultimate goal our immediate goal in this life we may not be competent enough to pursue that moksha directly we may not achieve it so what is our immediate goal it is dharma or swadharma practicing our special duties in the in the in the, in the west they have come up with a concept of maslow's pyramid of needs where they speak about uh, they make a pyramid at the bottom is physiological needs then safety etc and finally there is something called self actualization if we superimpose it on our pyramid of purushartha we will find the self actualization is nothing but this swadharma the purpose in our life so this varnashrama the universal vision of this uh, ideal society that is uh, sanatan dharma speaks about it is to allow each individual each person to follow the path their own path to self actualization this is the core of all the diversity in india we see at, at different levels 
So uh, this path of self-actualization may be different for different person based on their different tem temperaments and different aspirations. They are uh, uh, you know divided into Brahmana, Kshatriya, Vaishya, Shudra. This is a general division, general guideline. This is a, this is a kind of archetype. But our practical society is a completely different thing. I think there have been a lot of misconceptions, lot of uh, due to you know lot of colonialism and even due to the effects of Kali Yuga, a uh, lot of misunderstanding have creeped up. By that is why we uh, this is caste system which we speak about today. The caste identities they are political identities. They have nothing to do with uh, Varanashrama as such. Even the Jati, the way Jati is understood by Manasmati is very different by how Jati is developed in the last thousand years. The, the, the thousand, since last thousand years, Jatis and Kula, they have become intermingled. They are more uh, related to guilds, the trade guilds, etc. But that is not what Jati Manusmati speaks about. It speaks of a completely different thing about the Swabhava, the inner temperament. So this is a very complicated concept. In short, to answer if whether Varnashrama is fixed or fluid, as far as the individual is concerned, it is not it is both fixed and fluid in the sense it is not same for everybody each has a different uh, their own unique path to uh, self-actualization the paths may be similar but will never be same because pe different people will be at different stages of spiritual evolution overall evolution dharmic evolution instead but for a particular life this uh, because our temperament our uh, what we uh, the how we develop our swabhava is more or less same since our birth. It's based on our previous karmas. It's based on the genetic genes we inherited from our the swabhas we inherit from our parents. So our paths are more or less, our temperaments are more or less same. Of course, it can be changed by individual effort, by exertion of free will like Vishwamitra did. But it is a very difficult, but it is possible. But before that, we have to be perfect in what we do. Like that is why Krishna says, Swadharma Nidhanam Shreya. So we need to perfect our Swadharma, we need to find our inner calling and perfect it before, you know, moving forward. So this is a journey, this is a journey for many lives, not just for this life. And uh, the next question is, why musings? What is the significance of title? Uh, would you have given the book a different title? This question was asked by my good friend uh, Shubodhi. Um, many, in fact, many others have also asked why I have given the title Musings on Hinduism. Well, Musings means reflections, etc. Uh, as I said, the most of these writings, they were not written to make it into a book as such. They were written more as a reflection of my own inner journey, my own journey uh, from being an atheist in my high school to being a practicing Hindu today. Uh, practicing Hindu, I, I define it as someone who is not just a Hindu politically or culturally, but he is also uh, practicing Hindu in a dharmic sense. Uh, he tries to understand his Swadharma. He tries to uh, fit himself he, uh, in this universal vision of self-actualization and Purushartha and pursue his own uh, Swadharma. So this, this, uh, the, the writings, many of these are a direct uh, result of my reflections on my study of various Shastras, my journey as a, as a Hindu, as a Sanatana Dharmi. And many of them were in fact written as a, on the spot, a spontaneous reactions, a spontaneous reflections on 
some issues which are triggered in social media or, or some news or something like that. So that is why I thought it is best to give the name musings uh, instead of something else. And the, the next question is, is the word God same as Brahman? God with a capital G, is it same as Brahman? If not, should we not stop using the word God to describe? I think it's a very good question. I think uh, ideally speaking, yes, we should use Brahman. And yes, we should use Ishvara, etc. But uh, deep down, I also feel uh, since we I write in English, I communicate mostly in English, I, I speaking to the audience which are well versed in English. I think we cannot completely, uh, you know, wipe out the word God, at least now, not now, because many people are not aware of the significance of the term Brahman, what is its meaning, or even of Ishwara. But to explain them, we need to provide some anchorage, which, which is got by the term that they are familiar with, the God. In India, most, though this term God has a Christian connotation, the creator, God, etc. And we do not subscribe to that. Yet in India, even the English speaking class, the liberal, the left, etc. They may not always define this God as a Christian God. They may simply understood as a I have ultimate reality. I have come across many who understand God as simply as ultimate reality. To them, using of word God and then explaining Brahman and how, what is the meaning of Brahman in Vedanta and Hindu Dharma or what is the meaning of Ishvara, I think this helps and that is why in my book I have, have used the term God at many places but I have also used Brahman extensively, Ishvara also to some extent I have used. And uh, another question is what is Hinduism explained about Dharma? I think I just explained about the, that uh, two questions back about the universal vision of self-actualization of Purushartha, the Moksha, our Swadharma. I, I, this is a huge question, this is a never-ending question, so I will not uh, again elaborate it uh, now. Uh, moving on to the next question, um, who is your inspiration? Well, there have been many inspirations uh, for me and uh, I already spoke about how my Guru uh, Sri Sri Bharati Sita Swamiji has been one of the most uh, uh, inspiring figure in my life at least since 2013 because uh, I was not uh, aware of him of course I knew that he was a Shankaracharya but I was uh, not aware of his teachings there was no there was no connection then before 2013 but uh, since 2013 I have been um, uh, intimately connected to him. I feel the uh, inner connection with him and his guidance uh, every moment of my life. Uh, so I will say he has been the most um, greatest inspiration in the last few years. And uh, the next question is what projects uh, are you currently working on and what are your future book projects? Well currently I am working on a series on abortion uh, part 1 was already published and another 3 parts to go. I have written the whole thing. So this is the current project I was working from last I think 4 to 5 months. I think from January I, I, I am working on that and I have finished it. It's just uh, remaining to be published. Uh, the first part was published on India Facts and um, also I am working on uh, uh, last year I had written a series of articles on called Hindu View of Menstruation. 
uh, Delhi publisher had approached me and uh, requested me to expand it into a full-fledged book and uh, I am currently working on that. Hopefully I aim to finish the first draft by the end of the year. There are a lot of research to do uh, but I aim to finish it this year. And I have few other projects uh, half complete or um, in different stages. Uh, for, since 2013, I was I have been working on a commentary on Isha Upanishad, but it's still uh, the first draft is complete, but uh, it needs lot of revisions which uh, I am yet to do. And uh, recently I started writing a short commentary on one of the works of Adi Shankara, but it is beyond the first mantra. I have not gone beyond. So there are many other uh, pending projects like that. So these were the some of the questions that I had got uh, on beforehand before starting this uh, session. And now I would uh, uh, like to take questions uh, if any have been asked in comments. So please uh, put your comments in uh, uh, put your questions in comment section and I would take them. Uh, I think I have one question by Somashekara Nimbalkar. Question is not sure if it is appropriate here. Feel free to not answer. Um, so the question is uh, Shiva as a reproductive symbol. How correct is, is it? I don't feel it is. Can you discuss the below forward? It is a phallic symbol surrounded by uni, ejaculating milk, okay, rudraksh, scrotum, etc. I think uh, I have uh, extensively written on this uh, topic, uh, Somshekar. Uh, in fact, in the book itself, uh, there is a chapter on the symbolism of uh, Shivalinga worship. And recently, I wrote an article on India Facts. There is, excuse me, there is nothing uh, wrong in worshipping phallus. Uh, without going into details again because you can find them in those writings, I would simply say this uh, linga has many meanings, mark, uh, symbol, these are the meanings as well. But of course, phallus is one of the meanings and each meaning has their own relevance and context. Uh, the context of this uh, Shiva and Shakti, Yoni and uh, 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 linga in a sexual uh, aspect, the context is there are the material physical manifestation of the cosmic union between Shiva and Shakti, the universal male and feminine, the Purusha and Prakriti. But what is the relevance in practice? I think the, that relevance is very limited to certain Tantrika Sadhanas wherein the, the male formed counterpart identifies himself with Bhairava and the female with the Bhairavi. And apart from such sadhanas or some linga puja and yoni worship, this uh, this interpretation or this uh, view, this meaning of linga as phallus, it is not uh, relevant in a mainstream worship. In mainstream view, there is concept of mukhalinga, where the linga is the face of the Shiva. And the, of course, the Shivalinga is three bhagas, Rudra Bhaga, Brahma Bhaga and Vishnu Bhaga. Vishnu Bhaga. So, uh, as I said, this uh, there is a relevance to this phallic meaning and we don't need to reject it, we, not, we don't need to feel ashamed of it. But it has a context, it has a meaning and I would uh, uh, request you to go through my article uh, in India Facts as well as my chapter in the book. And uh, another question I have is uh, from Pankaj Saxena. 
did Voice of India play a part in your transformation from being an atheist to practicing Hindu? Uh, in fact, it did. Uh, uh, I did not uh, become an uh, from atheist to Hindu practitioner overnight. It was a slow process, and uh, I first became a political Hindu actually. Uh, how did it happen? It, it was basically triggered by the publications of Voice of India, I must say, by writings of Sitaram Goyal, Arun Shauri, and uh, Ram Swarup, to name a few. And uh, especially when uh, uh, this um, Godra, Gujarat, and when the facts came out, how it happened, how the uh, the, the left cable uh, tried to you know create a false narrative. That was the trigger when if I had a for, I mean, for the first time I realized that I am a Hindu by culture as a political uh, identity, even though I may not believe in God, I may not believe in Hindu Shastra. So that was the intermediate stage before I plunged deeper into the practicing the, the dharmic aspect of uh, uh, Hinduism. And uh, is there any other questions? Let me scroll and see. Um, Mayuresh says excellent book that explains fundamentals. Thank you Mayuresh. Ramesh says it is very interesting. Thank you, Ramesh. Uh, thank you, Malaji, for all your wishes. Uh, there is one more question, I think. Uh, this is from Kedarnath Shastri. Uh, he asks, could, could you please explain the concept of Punya and Papa according to Hinduism? Is Papa equals to sin according to Christianity? Uh, hello Kedarnath, this is a very good question. Uh, let me straight away say that Papa in Hinduism is not equal to sin in Christianity. Because Christianity has a concept of original sin and their uh, the concept of heaven and hell are permanent uh, places of torture or pleasures. This is no related to how Hinduism perceives the uh, concepts of Papa and Punya. Papa and Punya is deeply related to concept of karma as I said. If you do dharma, it, it results in sukha. If you do adharma, it results in dukkha. So this, uh, this dharmic actions is punya, gives punya, the merit. That merit in turn causes results in happiness for us. So why does the dharma, uh, performance of dharmic actions lead to happiness? Because it gives spiritual merit which is called as punya. And uh, this performance of adharma gives demerit, which is called as papa. So, uh, a related topic is about the swarga and naraka. Many philosophers have spoken about how this very world, our sufferings itself is naraka and our uh, happiness itself is swarga. Yes, that is also valid. That is also true. We this is this plane is of course a loka where uh, which uh, where we. Uh, we take birth to face the fruits of our actions. But there are also different realms like Bhu, Bhuva, Suva, Loka and other Lokas. There are also realms where, like Narakas, the, the Puranas, the Smritis speak about different Narakas. They are all temporary realms, temporary births where we take to face uh, the, the, the Narakas especially. They are temporary realms where we wipe off the uh, fruits of our most uh, 
uh, heinous of the crimes we face the punishment there of course you may feel this as funny and we actually don't know how exactly this happens only when we face it we will know it may not be the way the stories in puranas portray that these stories have symbolic and deeper meaning of certain aspects and uh, but it is there that is what matters for us because we cannot see it from our eyes similarly the devaloka the attainment of a, a comparatively immortal condition compared to earthly life it is called as swarga and lot of uh, have been written uh, in the scriptures but even that is ultimately a uh, temporary uh, entity temporary existence will return back to earth and that is what makes our hindu dharma concept of punya and papa very different from abrahamic concept so uh, the next question is um, Uh, let me see shekhar malik uh, asks me um by any chance have you watched star trek the tv series uh, it is more purist than star wars etc is more geeky and has many sanatan dharma concepts if not please do watch i have watched star trek the new series of movies uh, the though not the um, serials but yes i think a lot of uh, uh, hollywood movies uh, including matrix and uh, uh, even the star wars they have some concepts which are very similar or which have been inspired from uh, sanatan dharma and uh, uh, yes i am familiar about that I've only my only um, issue is such concepts are not explored in within india itself and i think many of them have that complaint from indian film industry and uh, second question from shekhar is do you think ishwara might be an alien after all uh, i think uh, i i do not subscribe to such view i think it i feel it is very funny i think it is simply shallow uh, it uh, you know it lacks deeper reading of understanding the concept of our devatas concepts of our ishwara see these different realms bhu suva and mahaloka these are not different planets in our physical universe then when bhuloka is said it does not refer to just earth as is translated often it refers to entire physical universe so the alien in a stricted sense uh, the way we understand uh, that aliens are some uh, species of different planets no i do not agree that uh, ishwara or devas are aliens but if you take a dictionary meaning like saying even a, someone who is from a different country can be a alien that is there's different species or different kind of beings in that sense yes devas are different beings but even the jiva in us we can become devas by doing uh, upasana uh, karma anushthana and there are a lot of many other things and uh, next i have a question from jijit uh, ravi hello jijit um, the four ashramas uh, brahmacharya uh, uh, grihastha ashrama vanaprastha and uh, sanyasa has a sequence do purusharthas dharma artha kama moksha imply sequence do varna shudra vaishya kshatriya brahmana have a hierarchy or sequence uh, very fantastic questions jijit in fact uh, i have uh, i exactly believe that there is a correlation between all those things it is not a uh, you know haphazardly created world view they are all related for example in one of the smriti there is a statement i would uh, caution by before taking the understanding of smithi statement it should be understood as a 
guideline not as literal uh, pen writing okay so in one of the smriti there is a statement saying shudras have adhikara to only one ashrama that is uh, grihastha ashrama while vaishyas have adhikara to two ashramas grihastha brahmacharya and grihastha whereas kshatriya have uh, uh, adhikara to three ashramas brahmacharya grihastha and vanaprastha and only brahmanas have adhikara to four ashramas as i said the brahmana kshatriya they are all the temperaments they are all the swabhavas of course swabhav is related to birth but it is in a different way than we currently understand today i will not go into that but the thing is why are they correlated it is because who is a shudra the the tradition understands it as one who is materially outlook his outlook is mundane his outlook is their family our the basically the kama and artha especially the kama uh, kama also means how to fulfill our small desires how to lead day to day lives so they do not have the means or the even the time to think about higher things uh, spiritual evolution or the doing sadhana they don't have time we have stories from you know uh, bhagavad purana and all how a potterer when krishna when narada asks him how do you worship he says in the morning i take his name before starting my work and in the evening i take my name but i don't have any more time to take anybody's name or to do worship so this this is the kind of shudra because they don't have time they, their life is already full of many concerns many challenges so that is why they have only grihastashrama because they do not have dispassion and they are they do not have time or competency to practice vera dhyana as well similarly for vaishyas they have brahmacharya because because they are the economic backbone of the society they need to have their mind in control because they need to have their mind in control they have to uh, be uh, do certain amount of small amount of vedha dhyana practice the kind of upadesha uh, uh, they are given the kind of mantra they are given in upanayana uh, so that to keep their mind strong and controlled and restrained and not to exploit others similarly with kshatriyas and uh, others so there is a correlation this is not a strict correlation there may be individual ex- exceptions there may be lot of individual exceptions this is a general guideline so similarly this uh, uh, so the, i i think that answers the question where was the question i, I lost the question yes yeah uh, so brahmacharya grahastha ashrama vanaprastha on one hand the ashramas and then on the other purushartha yes how is the purushartha related in the brahmacharya the dharmic teaching is given the the concept of dharma our vishesha dharma our samanya dharma our day to day dharma how do we behave what is the the whole universal vision of sanatan dharma is taught to the students that is why dharma remains it is the it is corresponds to brahmacharya ashrama of course dharma is always there but in the grihastha apart from this dharma this artha and kama also comes and uh, i think vanaprastha and sanyasa we can combine and uh, we can correlate to dharma and moksha because uh, i think I, i think that would be better because vanaprasthi he has uh, he has left his uh, things job i mean lex his uh, duty as a householder but he is not fully overcome his desires the purpose of vanaprastha is to provide a cushion time between uh, grihastha ashrama dharma and uh, 
this sannyasa and not everybody is able to achieve sannyasa in this life and uh, the next question is uh, uh, dv says he likes the bit size chapters and simple explanations uh, thank you dv uh, dimple says ask me how long did you take to write your book uh, as i said i did not write it as a book it is a collection of my writings various blog posts various art published articles various twitter and facebook posts uh, which were written between 2007 and 2013 so it took uh, you can say 5 years or uh, in fact 6 years and uh, another one more question from dv do you think dharma as you explain it will survive the current onslaught by the adharmic religions it looks a grim battle to me um if i have to answer it from the hindu world view we speak in the terms of yugas we have the four yugas satya yuga uh, dwapara treta dwapara and finally kaliyuga and we are in kaliyuga and whatever shastra says it compares the dharma to a bull with four legs in the satya yuga dharma stood and all its four legs in treta yuga one leg was cut due to rising adharma and it stood on three legs and in dwapar yuga another leg of dharma was cut due to more rising uh, adharma and the bull stood on two legs and in kali yuga it's one more it loses it's one more leg but still it stands on one leg so i think despite the grievous times the the very uh, problematic times we are today the challenges from abrahamic religions the challenges from uh, all the various forces even though we are still at the beginning of the kali yuga and there are million uh, hundreds of thousands of years left and the things will get more worse and worse not better uh, over time still i think dharma will stand on one leg till the end because if dharma Uh, is completely destroyed if there is complete adharma then there will be pralaya and we are very far from pralaya as far as i am concerned uh, so i think we will be able to overcome adharma adharmic religions because after all what our shastra says dharmo rakshati rakshita and uh, yatas dharma tatas jaya right so i think dharma will sustain all uh, all the attacks and uh, i intuitively feel in the coming decades we will see a reversal of uh, happenings we will see a revival of dharma i think we are already seeing a revival of dharma in some ways in some sections like in media in some sections the fact that we are all here together speaking about uh, this book it's also a sign of how things are turning around and uh, anjali says uh, have started reading the book very informative and insightful uh, thank you anjali uh, nikhil uh, asked me a question about devanagari uh, i am sorry nikhil i don't uh, have an answer to your question because i have not done any research regarding how the devanagari evolved and where it went on uh, so i am unable to answer your question i think uh, these are all the questions uh, please let me know if you have any more questions this is a time to let me know any more questions if you have 
Um, if there is no question, uh, I think uh, I can. Uh, yes, Dimple asked me when is your net next book coming. Uh, I frankly don't know Dimple when it is coming. Uh, I'm working on it from last six months actually and uh, I hope to finish it uh, by the end of this year, the first draft. So hopefully somewhere next year, maybe May, June, July, I don't know ex uh, exactly. Hopefully next year uh, the book will be uh, published. Uh, thank you Sumedha for, for your wishes. Uh, and uh, before ending, I, I would like to thank again Swaraj and Indic Book Club for giving me this opportunity uh, to speak about my book, to connect with my readers, answer their questions. And uh, next week, next Sunday, uh, Indic Chat, you, you will be able to connect with Mayuresh, my very dear friend Mayuresh Ridolkar. And uh, his book, The Dark Road, has just been published. Uh, it has been published by Jagarnath and uh, you can all download their app and read the book. And every and he needs no introduction, everybody knows him. Uh, he's, uh, he writes articles for India Facts, he writes articles for uh, Swarajya and many other uh, platforms. And of course, as a, I would like to add that as an editor of India Facts, I would like to welcome all of you to send your articles if you have anything related to India, Indian history, Indian culture, religion, etc. I, I welcome new authors. We give a platform to new authors. Uh, one more question, I think, um, from Shekhar. The Buddha author and Gautam Buddha are different. Your knowledge, view on this? I don't know about whether they are different or not. In some traditions, Buddha is not even counted as an avatar. Uh, instead, Balrama is uh, counted. But in some traditions, Buddha is also counted of, as an avatar. Intuitively speaking, I don't have any basis, but I think Buddha was one of the avatar since considering the, the way the enormous contribution he has made, some are positive, some may have been uh, unintended negative consequences as well. But I like to believe he was a very influential figure and that could not be possible without him having been a partial avatar at least. Just as we consider Adi Shankaracharya as an avatar of uh, Ishwara as well and which I firmly believe in uh, since I belong to that Sampradaya uh, but even otherwise I have firm faith in that. Uh, so I think I would uh, end today's uh, session. It was a wonderful session as far as I am concerned and uh, I was I am very happy to have answered all your questions and if you have any more questions you can ask me here in this Facebook. You, I am on uh, Twitter as well. Uh, my handle is at NKG Rock. You can uh, ask me anytime. You can write to me uh, uh, email ID. It is sridhar.nithin at gmail.com. So I hope uh, uh, you people uh, enjoy my book and uh, do get back with your feedbacks. And of course, don't forget to write your feedback comments on Amazon. Uh, because it helps to reach more and more number of people. Thank you.